Hi, I'm Andrew. And I'm Jason. And I'm Martin. This is Hemispheric Views. Do you guys mind if I smash this box of shapes while we record? Oh, is that pizza? Go for it, old mate. Uh, pizza and barbecue. Hmm. Old mate. Love it. <coughs> hmm. That's a that's a that's a positive thing, right? When when someone calls you that, is that correct? Is it Andrew? What do you reckon? Old mate. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I texted him that once, and I actually felt the anger like come back through the text. That doesn't usually happen. And I was joking, obviously, but yeah, he was very offended. Old, old mate is a terminology that's used over here. I, I enjoy it a lot. I love it when somebody says old mate over there, just dragging the can. <laughs> old. old mate is usually when you don't know somebody's name legitimately. And usually they're probably they're one or two steps removed from you. So you don't know them directly, but you might see them across the road or see them have some interaction with them that isn't direct and you think they're a bit of a tool or they're doing something dumb. Do they have to be older than you or like significantly older than you or is the old not in relation to their age? I think we've gotten a bit more relaxed about that. I think it used to be they were generally of an older type. Mm. But nowadays I think I think people have picked up on the phrasing so I don't think that matters so much anymore. Oh, okay. But they're just like, they're, they're sort of old mate. So I'm trying to think of a good example. Look at old mate over there trying to fill up his car and he's pulled in on the wrong side of the uh, oh. of the petrol station. He's pulling the bowels all, all the way, way over the other side of the car. <laughs> and it's stretching and whacking and yeah. not quite working. Getting angry with it. Good on you, old mate. Old mate over there is really smart. I had a great example recently. I was, uh, I won't name names, but I was out for lunch <laughs> with a friend and uh, they were having a conversation with someone else and they weren't really happy with what was being said to them. And then when we left afterwards, he turned to me and said, I was this close to headbutton old mate Martin. <laughs> so there you go. I love everything about that. I want you to see that become a phraseology that turns up in Portland. Just suddenly everybody's saying old mate. I could start that. I'm, I'm game for that. So something like, I was at Whole Foods and old mate tried to sell me salted pistachios as unsalted pistachios. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this yep. close to headbutton, old mate. This close to headbutton. Like, just mere moments away. Old mate tried to tell me that pizza shapes weren't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. They're pretty good. I gotta say, I'm still eating them, so. You need you to get onto the cheddar as well. Cheddar shapes. I need the chicken ones. Those are the ones I'm most interested in next. Chicken crimpy? Yeah, the crimpy. They're so special, they've actually got their own. They're not chicken shapes, they're chicken crimpies. Yeah. You know, they actually, they're still branded under the shapes, but they have their own subculture. Yeah, it's like they are under the umbrella of a shape, but they have a further defined shape Mm. of the crimpy. And they're a bigger chip. Oh. As well. That's interesting. Well, the pizza, the barbecue ones are smaller than the pizza ones. So, although the shape is arguably the same i think they could have differentiated the shape a little bit more there so if you're going in blind to like a mixed bag or something you could know what you were getting never mix your shapes i always mix my shapes you don't mix you need to know what you're what you're going in for so you don't want to you probably don't want to see this abomination i have next to me nobody wants a surprise shape (laughs) 
<laughs> Everybody wants a surprise shape. You need to know. You need. You go in with a plan. So you're like, I want right now. I want a chicken crimpy. I don't want to go rummaging around in the hope that I might get a chicken crimpy. <laughs> Plus flavor contamination. <laughs> I want to. I want to challenge this surprise issue that you have. Andrew, right? So let's say you're watching play school as a kid. They've said, which window are we going through today? Oh, I love the window game. That element of surprise. You want to, You don't want to know, oh, they're going through the square window or the arch window because then you've taken away all that anticipation for where they're going. <laughs> yeah, but did you ever see how angry I would get if I didn't, if the window I chose, the square window was not the window of the day? <laughs> was square your favourite? Yes. <laughs> I loved the arch. What, what did you have against the arch? It didn't know what it wanted to be. It was half a square, half a circle. It's, it had identity issues. A square <coughs> is clear. Cl- a square is <coughs> angular. It's precise, <laughs> ninety degree. Given how businessy Andrew is, is it any surprise you would choose the square? It makes sense. I don't know. It seems pretty ironically perfect. Arch is just so messy. Arch isn't messy. Arch is interesting. It's it's varied. How many shapes were there? Was there just two? Three. What was the third one? A circle. Which is arguably the most harmonious. A square, a circle, and an arch. You would have thought it would have been a triangle, maybe, for the third one. Maybe oh, maybe there was a triangle window. Hmm. Now, no, there wasn't. Was it? I'll have to do some research and put that in the notes. I was too distracted by Benita. By what? Is that one of the people on the show? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. If, uh, if, if four-year-olds can have crushes, I had a crush. Hmm. And then this is a real person, or these were like puppet characters. No, or? she was a ho- she was a real person. She was a host. Okay, there would there was real, play school was just real two real people mm. and a piano, a pianist off off mm. screen. You never saw the pianist, but they played live piano mm. and some stuffed toys. Yeah, oh, okay, not not puppets, stuffed toys, stuffed toys, like bears, and dolls. Mm. I have a breaking news element here i've just looked up online oh my play school windows and there's an article from the australian site mamma mia with which which i'm familiar but Uh, we're huge supporters of them by the way if they'd like to place an ad there you go well there's an article here that is called was play school's arch window your favorite read on and then it has little (laughs) definitions that say which window defines you as a character or whatever oh wow all right okay wow so I'm just taking over a bit here, but it says that let's have Does a look. Does it say what all the choices were, so people can play? Yeah. At so home. there was the square window, the round window, which was the circular one that Andrew just said, and the arch window. So in order, they define who you are as a person. If you like square, round, and then arch. So wow. I'll read the first paragraph. So the square window. You're an organized, logical, and hardworking person who likes structure and rules. But sometimes you have trouble making decisions because you always want more information. <laughs> wow. Like, could just Mad. shut it down. Totally nailed me at four years old. Oh. That, I'm reading his Twitter bio, and that's literally what it says word for word. So we've revealed a lot about Andrew through his play school preferences. <laughs> We're going to move to round now. Okay. I'll take round since you took the other one. I'll just take it right now yeah yep the non-tessellating option cool let's see if we agree with this characterization so the round window jason Mm -hmm. you're a people person with lots of sympathy and consideration for others you listen Mm. and communicate well and are very perceptive about feelings you like harmony and hate making unpopular decisions a circle Mm. is the glue that holds the team or the family together oh man look at that i mean that just i don't think there could be a more perfect definition of me I like how you're saying this as you talk through pizza shapes. It's great. It really is like a kid watching play school, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) It's got his snack plate. All right, here we go. The arch window. Oh, God. Here comes the arch with the foot window. (laughs) 
Who knew who knew windows could be foot shaped? <laughs> Apparently they can. The arch shape symbolizes leadership. The main ability of the arch is to focus on goals and deeply and quickly analyze situations. An arch is a very confident person who wants to be right in everything. <laughs> Archers find it difficult to admit their mistakes are easy to train and absorb information like a sponge. Their career gives their life meaning. Negative qualities, excessive self-absorption. Holy actual F. Those three descriptions, like, this was beyond unplanned and could not have been more incredibly perfect. Wow. Oh, you are such an arch. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I promise, listeners, this was not planned. I just looked this up. Oh, this is none of this topic. This isn't even in the run sheet. This topic. I I didn't even know this existed until today. So that's gold. So, everyone, watch Play School. That's the message. Choose your window. Is that still going? Um, yes, it is. It is. Okay. It's beloved. I grew up on that show. Is that like a public access TV kind of thing? Like a like a Sesame Street situation like we have here? Or is that similar-ish? Martin, this is your domain. Take it away. Mr. Rogers thing. Oh, sure. <laughs> After our media chat in the Discord, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, run on the uh, ABC. That's the Australian Broadcasting Corporation. It's been going for years. And uh, yeah, so that's- hmm taxpayer funded or subsidized yeah. public tv like our pbs yep would be the equivalent that would be the equivalent yeah okay so there you go and i'm sure you can find endless clips i always enjoyed john noni jemima george oh, they yeah. were yeah oh, it, oh sorry not jemima i think jemima was actually a doll i meant jemima to say was um, the doll yeah but that's all right jemima's part of the crew <laughs> don't worry it's like big ted that's right hmm. i mean i think it was uh, was it monica trapaga she was a great one. Oh yeah that was probably a little bit after my time yeah she was good. But yeah. Oh, gosh. Give me warm fuzzies. <laughs> Big Ted, little Ted. Humpty, they're all in there. That is memory lane corner for you. Discord corner. Discorner. We need a yeah, theme tune. So Alex, who's sometimes in our Discord, may want to just whip up a quick Discord corner theme. But Jason, I'm going to turn to you today and just ask you if you could just give us a quick Discord corner theme tune. Uh, just quickly, Alex, for those who don't know, is uh, Andy's brother, just so if anybody's curious about that. Uh, Discord corner theme is, oh, on the spot. Um, it's the corner of all corners. We love to chat. It's called Discorner. <laughs> love it. No? Is that not is that, good? Oh, okay. I thought you had more. Oh, um, I, I was expecting no. a sort of a musical interlude or something. What's the best corner? Disc corner. Don't diss me in the disc corner. No, I'm I'm not the one to go to for all things uh, song related. All right. Sorry. Should I just go to the topic then? I would say yeah. probably just skip directly to that okay, so before I, people what, delete the episode. Yeah. Part of my morning routine these days is to open the mm. Discord in the morning and then see mm. how excited and active the US contingent got while I was sleeping. Yep. And it was pretty busy today. But one of the topics that came up was the issue of tabs, mm. tab management in the browser. And people talking about how they have too many tabs overwhelming numbers of tabs and then there was conversations about tab groups mm. do you split your tabs into windows and groups and things like that and it had me thinking i feel like there's two very different type of people in the world there's the tabaholic who's just just tabbing the world away and then there's people like me 
who maybe have four or five tabs, but that whole time they've got anxiety about having that many t- those many tabs and they're just trying to close them ASAP and get back to, to a single window. Those are the squares. So I was just kind of w- wondering w- whether you guys have views on this. Are you particularly wedded to a way of, of tab management? Are you okay with the, the pinned tabs or does that give you anxiety as well? Just wondering where you are on tab management to round out the Discord. And, uh, yeah, I have some hemispheric views on this. I do like the tab uh, groups, that new thing that hit Safari. I have one for work, one for, well, you have like the main one where it's kind of like your throwaway tabs where they don't really have a name, which is just general day to day. And then I have a dedicated work group for work stuff. And then I have one for this show. And I think those are the only, th- yeah, those are the only three I have. But I do find them to be very handy because it puts me in a kind of a different context as I'm going back and forth. So if I keep like a microdot blog in the other one and then I switch to my work one, it's not in there. So it's a nice kind of separation and I can effectively in my brain say, okay, I'm in work mode now, so I'm going to work on these things. And then I, now I'm in, if or if I, it's like I, I can't do work things right now, I need to like, I need a brain break. I can switch to a different tab group. And then for the show, it just has all the stuff that we need for doing the post show, like the the fireside stuff and all the stats and all that, all that other crap. And then as far as the regular throwaway tab group, it varies. Usually it's around three to four. It could get upwards of 10 if I'm trying to find something or purchase something that has a chip in it during the chip shortage. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, other than, I don't really have a, the only thing that annoys me is uh, that I found out recently is that if you have video playing in one tab group and you have it picture in picture, if you go to switch tab groups, you can't. Oh. It's like, nope, your video is, you can't have this video anymore if you switch tab groups, which is weird. And also just how fast they get like shoved out of memory, which, okay, that's fine, I guess. But when you reload a tab group, it's like, kind of starting from scratch a little bit. You have to reload each of the tabs. They don't all reload at once and so you click on them. But I think that's my tab view. I don't know if that really answered anything that you asked, but that's how I use tabs. Well, it does remind me about tab groups, which I had entirely forgotten about. Yeah, I don't think it's for everyone. I can see why people would be like kind of absolutely or just no. It doesn't feel like the kind of feature where you're in the middle at all of like, oh, I sort of use it sometimes. I think you're either... Tab groups or no tab groups? I don't really think there's a middle ground there just because I don't really see how there could yeah, be. Yeah, I tried tab groups. I felt like I was sort of always in the wrong group mm. at any one time. I think I'm too I – I didn't stay in a zone for long enough. Yeah, I would like better uh, accessibility in terms of shortcuts, not shortcuts, the the stupid things, the short – just like keyboard shortcuts or whatever to be able to, to move between them because I was hoping that I could put – on like a button on the stream deck to because I have different stream deck pages for those same similar kinds of things so it'd be nice to have a button associated with that area that would pull that tab group up but that does not currently exist and if there is a way to do it with shortcuts I don't care Martin yeah the whole tab situation my experience really closely mirrors Jason's I like the tab groups and I've since adopted the whole work thing and then a podcast group i actually also have a restaurants group and that comes down to the fact that we would constantly order dinner from similar restaurants and i'd go 
their website's rubbish or what's it called again? I'd have to search for it. I didn't have it bookmarked. And now I just know they're all just in there and I can launch this browser equivalent folder of all of the restaurants that I like. The funny thing though, is that I've always been like you, Andrew, in the sense that I don't like a lot of tabs open. It's messy and seems kind of counterproductive. You just can't find things as Mm -hmm. easily. So I started to use the tab groups and really liked how you could sort them out. But the irony is that I've actually been less diligent in controlling the number of tabs that I have open by using groups. Because while groups keep things split up and organized in a sense, you forget potentially how many are open in any given group or the unnamed default one. So you end up, in my case anyway, it looks organized, but I go, where, where is oh, it's just spilled out or, or there's too many. So I have way more tabs open than I ever did before because you can technically hide them. Yeah, yeah. that actually makes reminds me of one other thing. Maybe everybody knows this already, but if you do use tab groups, if you right click on a tab, you can send them between different tab groups as well. I love that. So if you do open something in your kind of throwaway tabs, you're like, oh, this would be great for, or perfect example of what I generally do. If I'm in that like throwaway group and then something pops into my head, oh, I need to look up this thing for, let's say a, a work-related thing. I'll look it up, mm-hmm. find it, and then just right-click send to my work group. So then I can kind of keep that for when I go back to that tab group and not have to be remembering which group it was in. So mm-hmm. you can move them around pretty easily. Yeah. And people had a go at Safari, you know, last year when they were doing all that redesign stuff. But contrary to what everyone was saying, the tab group behavior is actually pretty well thought out. And I like that idea that when you open up a link, it does throw it into a new window or a separate section to keep it away from all of that stuff that you've organized. And then you have that option to go, no, bring it back into the fold or put it here. Hmm. And that is this corner. <laughs> Now, Andrew, you wrote a piece recently, which was very interesting on your micro.blog site. Is that right? I did. I had some, I had some fine, fine feedback from, from some readers of mine. Left some very stimulating commentary. Yeah. <laughs> Martin. <laughs> oh, just me? <laughs> no, there was others as well. Oh, thank goodness. I thought it was like, oh, no, did I badge you or something? No, you didn't. Probably. Not at all. Oh, um, Good. Yeah. It, did you have a, a preamble that you wanted to? say about said post <laughs> no i was doing the segue so you could talk about okay, it it's your okay okay well it ties in nicely to square. <laughs> i want to hear from you it ties in nicely to square windows on play school actually because I, i've been more aware recently of well recently over the last set eight years seven years six years something like that of autism because it has become more widely known in society but I've been directly affected with it because of my son who was diagnosed with um, autism when he was in preschool. So over the few years, he's been going through all sorts of therapies and they're ongoing to help him out and to help him get through life basically and become a person that can function effectively in the world that we have created that's generally more suited for people who don't have autism. Over that time... And learning so much about it, it gives you pause for thought. Because not only are you dealing with your own kid, but you're naturally sent back to your own upbringing and the life, the child you were and the things that you did. And you're listening to the story and you're being taught coping mechanisms and being able to teach David how to, how to manage his own life. And you start to think, a lot of this sounds familiar to what my own childhood was like. And you start to think, 
do I also have autism? <laughs> and uh, this sort of came up again because I was re- I read a post the other day by Hannah Gad post an article, an extract from her book, who's an Australian comedian, and she became quite famous through her Netflix stand-up show. Um, what was it called, Martin? Nanette. Nanette, thank you. Yeah, and she she in that show came out about her own autism diagnosis, which she got as an adult. Anyway, so this article was going on, was talking about her experience in life and reflecting back on her childhood. And I was like, wow, that's so so many elements of that resonated with me. And I think back to what I was like as a kid, and even what I'm like now. And I think I reckon if you did a DSM measure on me, you would probably get me ticking the enough boxes to be a person with autism. What is a DSM? It's like a measuring thing. So it's, they talk about, uh, I can't remember what it stands for now. It's a diagnostic. Like a test you take? Yeah, it's like a diagnostic measures of. It stands for Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. There we go. And, and so you have everything from schizophrenia on this DSM scale through, you know, autism, all other sorts of different mental illnesses. I think if that was, if I bothered to go down that path, I'd probably tick enough boxes. If I'd bothered, if I'd had access to that pathway as a child, I would absolutely have ticked all the boxes. And I think over time I have learnt my own coping mechanisms that work 75% of the time. And I think sometimes I'm become so, that's become so much a part of me that I mask myself and I don't realise that I'm masking. But yes, yeah, so, and that's why it was interesting reading this Hannah Gadsby article was about how much this masking just becomes second nature. And it was just an interesting thing. It's like, well, we as a society have come a long way. When I was a kid, autism was unheard of. Like, it, well, I mean, it just wasn't, it was never considered an option. Nobody thought about it. But I think about my behaviours when I was a kid. I was terrible. I hate, you know, I got in so much trouble constantly. I would scream and carry on. And beyond that of just a normal kid, you know, real behaviour management issues when I was young. And then I look at my interests and I think, oh, I had really deep interests in computers and, you know, I didn't have a lot of friends and I had a real hard time making friends. And there's just all these little signposts along the way as I think back. It's like, hmm, there you go. And now the apple maybe doesn't fall far from the tree. And I see my son doing things and behaving ways and it's like looking into a, a time machine mirror. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, wow. I know what you're feeling right now, mate, because... I've been there. I've lived that. It's so just a really interesting kind of thing. So I put a blog post about it to reflect on that. When I read it, the thing that leapt out to me when you said it would have been handy or beneficial to have this diagnosis or at least some sort of guidance given your theory that you had or have it, I was really interested in the sense that you hear a lot of people say these days, and this isn't just for you know conditions or whatever it could be identity-wise, the idea that labels are unhelpful or that we shouldn't label things. But in what you're saying, you're saying that a definition or a label actually would have given you a sense of uh, confidence or confirmation or help or something. And then that whole point that you just said about autism being something that wasn't really known of or understood or named, it's still kind of difficult to define today. Someone who's on this part of the spectrum is perhaps totally different in their confidence or ability or, you know, 
issues from someone else on the spectrum. So is the label the thing that you think would have been most helpful? Or I know we're kind of speculating here or it's more of a personal reflection, but what do you think? Yeah, I know it's difficult. And that's the thing with with autism is it is such a spectrum, you know, and, and if I was on a spectrum, if I am on a spectrum, it would be on the higher functioning end. Sure. You know, probably the end that used to be called Asperger's, um, which isn't really a terminology in use anymore. Mm. Yeah, so I, I think it would have been helpful because I felt so different and isolated and it would have been helpful to know, now this is just a way that some people are and it's not you failing or being weird it's just you being a different kind of person to the majority and there's plenty of other people out there in these you know, having the same experience mm. but you there's no there was no way for you to be brought together or to be made aware of that and even more so pre-internet and all that yeah. you know you're living in your own little islands so it just would have been reassuring i think I even feel uncomfortable using words like condition or issue or something because it kind of implies this sense that it's removed from the in inverted commas normal when there are things that people on the autism spectrum can do that I could not even have a hope to do or the three of us would go, wow, how do you even perceive or do that? So it's very hard to talk about. It's, it's, it blows me away. And it's one of these things that I, I, mean, I remember one of my things I went to almost become, I think I talked to you guys about this before, almost became a flight air traffic controller. Right. I just went, I saw a job ad one day and I was like, oh, I'll give that a go. I don't recall this. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Maybe I've never told you guys about this. No, never I'll, have you said, oh, air traffic control. I'll give that a go. Yeah, I was bored with my current, <laughs> I was bored with the job I had at the time. And so I went to this air traffic control thing. And it was one of those things that you go through. First, you do an aptitude test. And then you do a putting the shapes in the proper squares test. And then you come oh, back. Perfect for you. you come Notice back. how he said proper squares. Not <laughs> put the shapes in the proper place. Put the shapes in the proper squares. That's All the works. other shapes he left on the desk. <laughs> and then I was Only brought, the squares went I in. I was brought back weeks later and you, you, it was like severance style. You were brought in, into a room and you had, there was a whole range of computer terminals and you basically had to play an air traffic control game and stop multiple cr- aircraft from crashing into each other and that kind of thing on these old graphics terminals. And all these, and they were eliminating at each cut. They were, they were cutting people. And I remember at that terminal day when we were playing the games, I was talking to some of the others and they were like, yeah, this is like my fourth, they do an annual intake and this is my fourth effort at getting this and I keep failing at this point. How many times have you done it? And I'm like, it's my first time. (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'm not even supposed to be here. I just showed up. I don't know. They were all like massive airplane guys. They were kind of like, you know, they knew everything about an airplane. I'm like, has two wings. I don't really know anything. You about were just really good at geometry and like recognizing right angles yeah, and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> really. And to the point where they offered me a job. Wow. And I turned it down because they were going to send me to Outback Queensland on less money than I was earning at the time. <laughs> wow. And I was like, thanks, but no thanks. And they, they said to me, they said, we didn't expect you would take it, but we wanted you to know that you have the aptitude for it. It's like, oh, there you go. That's great. And, and I think back now, like probably that was an autistic trait. You know, you know what I mean? Like, you don't see it in the moment, but how else do you end up being good at flight traffic controlling when you have zero interest in it? I don't know. It's Can I generalize for a minute? Sure. I'm editing, so I'll help if need be. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> go on. I think anyone of the age roughly 30 to 50 today has some form of this feeling, maybe not related specifically to autism, but related to something, whether that be a diagnosis of whatever, or I think Martin said earlier, some kind of identity thing. Because back when this, I guess this is maybe one gener, two generations, however many generations that covers, that idea of the the idea of this quote normal was so razor thin, there was no latitude to be off dead center without there being very well, varying degrees, but generally pretty terrible um, repercussions to not being on that razor thin line. And only now, which is still the very early days of acceptance of most things in the world that should be accepted, are we starting to, to broaden out that line of, and, and I'm using normal, not in the sense that it's the right way to be just in, in maybe the, the middle of, of being accepted. Like that razor thin line is widening slowly, but it is. So I think that is, I think a place where a lot of people in that age range, especially now when you're in 30 to 50, having children, having these traits now become more generational to you. Cause I think looking backwards, doesn't really help because it was only worse and worse in terms of the awareness of certain things, right? So you can't really look at your parents and say, oh, yeah, they, because that it was even more removed from their world than it was from ours. Like you talked about, Andrew, where, you know, just the word autism never really happened in no. your worldview. It happened somewhere, but not generally enough for it to hit your doorstep. But now, it has, which now makes you look backwards. You have to imagine your parents before you, it was even further pushed back in the mindset of anybody. So I think that is something in this particular time, I think it's probably, maybe it's a little wider than that, but I feel like people that are around 30 to around 50 right now are very much in that looking backward and thinking a lot of these quote new concepts, which sure we can call it that, Maybe that was me, but there's no way to go back and really do anything about it other than just kind of speculate that, oh, now that we know about this new thing, that does sort of fit the mental model of what I felt like I was back then. And I do the same thing all the time where, you know, pick a thing if it's, I'm not even going to pick anything. I don't, I don't want to like call any one specific thing out, but there are definitely traits and things that I know about today that I sure as hell did not know about when I was seven years old. Mm. I knew about, you know, dumb kid stuff when I was seven years old. I didn't know about any of this stuff. But now there's a lot of times where I'm like, holy hell, boy, if that doesn't fit the, the or as you said, tick all the boxes. <laughs> and again, there's not shit I can do about it other than the fact that I had to find and, and manufacture ways to cope with things to avoid falling outside of that center line and becoming quote the weird one or like the you know generally you'd fall into like oh you're the nerd because mm. you just sit at home and play computer games all day or whatever but i find a lot of similarities into what you're saying and i think a lot of people in that age range i guess is 
the long and short of what I'm trying to say, I think that's more and more common right now in that in that group. Yeah, I guess all I want is I, I it would be f- fun, fun. I don't know if that's the right word, but be good to have an opportunity to go back, know this, and just have a do over on some of the things that happened with this knowledge. If you're like, ah, oh, if only I could just go back and change that. Or, or do this thing differently. Yeah. You have to imagine, though, too, though, that the, the support around that wouldn't have been there. So it really wouldn't have mattered. Even True. if you knew that, oh, autism is a thing, and I, quote, am experiencing that, like, no one else would have cared. No one would have been there to support you in that. So it's almost, it might actually have been worse. Like, the ignorant, the, it may have been bliss to just not know yeah. in, to some degree because there would have been nobody there to go to to help with any of that because nobody knew how to deal with it. So yeah. it, in a way it's almost, I hate to say it, but the fact that you you can cope with that stuff and figure out ways to progress, I don't know if that's maybe the better way to, to go, but I just don't think you would have had any anyone there to really help or, or, or mm. listen or do anything about it to help you in that, unfortunately. I have a question mm-hmm. continuing on from what Jason was saying you know, reflecting and what you can and can't do about it. I don't want to tell you how to feel. And I know that we had a conversation about this on micro.blog, Andrew. I mean, I would think that despite that lack of guidance, you know, you said that you've built up certain uh, mechanisms or behaviours or things to adjust to different situations. And naturally, you've learned and, and, and grown according to your own experiences. When you're with your son... And I don't expect any personal answers no, here, okay. but are there any particular things that you've learned after his diagnosis that you've thought, oh, you know, that's fascinating or you've changed your behavior as a result or it's you know, enlightened you in a certain way? I don't know if this is uh, the best answer, but it's the one that pops into my mind. It's accepting the fact that things can be overwhelming mm. and that it's actually okay to step away from it. And to just check out and be like, no, this is too much. I, I can't deal with this. I need, you know, I need time out. And whether that's me telling David to, to do that for himself or whether that's me realizing that, hey, I could do that for myself, either of those yeah. are fine. Whereas I, until I'd sort of had, you know, worked through this with him, I've sort of been like, well, you're in this circumstance, this situation, you cannot leave. You know, you are locked into this. It's a conversation. It's a party. It's an event. You've got to be there because you you showed up and you've you've committed. You've got to stay there. And it may be sending your brain insane <laughs> to be in that environment at that time. And you may internally just be like, you feel like you're getting claws ripped into your insides and just tearing them apart from the inside, but you've got to stay there. And it's like, well, actually, no, you don't. Just leave. Even if it's, you can leave for three minutes and come back and that might be all it needs and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Or you may check out and be like, I'm ghosting this thing. And do that because you've got to look after yourself. And there's no point staying in a circumstance that makes you uncomfortable and then by extension makes everybody else around you uncomfortable. Right. I think that's, that's what I was thinking too. In, in the past, if you had just left, that would have been a huge deal oh my, can you believe that he did that? How rude or whatever. Whereas now that there's understanding around certain things, it's like, yeah, all right, he left. Like, yeah. So, you, okay. 
<laughs> it's yep. not, like, oh no, the world didn't end. Like, it's fine. Yeah. He, he needed to do what he needed to do and he's, he's gone now. That's okay. Yeah. So, that's, that's a great answer because I think in society, there's generally this idea that you see it through or if you, in inverted commas, give up, you're a bit of a loser or something. Yeah. It's like, well, no, not everything's suited to everyone. And as long as you step aside politely or do what suits you in a way that's uh, courteous, that's totally fine. Mm. Yeah. If you stand me up for coffee, old mates getting headbutted, but <laughs> exactly. You know, if you need to leave a little early, that's okay. Look, co- a coffee, coffee is fine. I have no po- issue with coffee. It's when it becomes a, uh, a huge alcohol driven event, then it becomes more difficult mm. just as a, as an interesting aside, but coffee, I'm there every time. Flat whites all around. <laughs> no, that, that, and thanks for sharing this, Andrew, because it is a very personal thing. And I think it's important that for anyone who's listening, we're certainly not suggesting, and I know you're not, it's not about, uh, you know, go diagnose yourself or whatever. It's more about be aware of your feelings or what you're thinking. And if you need support, you should go and talk to people. Yes. Or find the resources uh, yeah. online. This is not a, uh, this is not a health <laughs> I'm not a credentialed health professional. <laughs> Seek your own no, advice. He's only an air traffic controller. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> QF14 is safe. If you need your plane landed, give him a call. <laughs> Jason, you've added to the notes, I love my work. Do you really? I do. Yeah, this feels weird to talk about, so I'm not going to like really dwell on it too much, but... Mm. I'm not even going to say where the place is. I'm just going to say generally that the reason that I wanted to even bring this up is because of how incredibly different and weird it has been transitioning to this new company and all in an absolutely positive way where I feel I keep (laughs) keep telling people I feel like I've built up a career of mental scarring from working at various places and and I think that's just the nature of work in general there's just a lot of it is not super positive you know I wasn't like physically harmed or anything but just you I think everybody knows what I talk what I'm talking about where you're just you're working and you're like yeah I I don't not like it but I'm not like looking forward to Monday that much <laughs> you know like it's just not, it's a job and that's that's fine but this process of leaving this old company which was that was like a whole kind of weird thing in itself maybe maybe I'll touch on that later but I don't know if the statute's over on that I might get sued I don't know but transitioning over and doing like the the interviewing which was great I couldn't even imagine the interviewing like this existed in the sense that I always knew what was coming next. Everybody was fully in communication with me throughout the whole process. Everything was super transparent. There was like a friggin' blog post that was written about what the whole process was. So you could even see what all of the, the stages were and what was expected of you. And then doing interviews, it was just like people were very open to how much the company was a good fit for me, which is weird, right? Because when you're interviewing, you're in this like weird blinders mode of all I care about is getting this job, regardless of what the job is, because you're in job seeking mode, right? Like you're just your only thing is like, I must get job, get job now. That's like the only you go like super basic. 
and there's all these red flags along the way, but you totally just just push them out of the way because you're like, this is the job. This is the only job I'm ever going to get. That's how I am anyway. I, I just get into this tunnel vision of like, this is the only thing. And none of it was like that. And I'm going to just say long story short, at the end of it, it felt like, I, I was surprised at how much I'm going on and on about this process and how great it is where this should just be like the bar. This should be the minimum of this human interaction that's happening. Yet these very seemingly basic things of letting people know what to expect, being punctual about communication, like these very basic human interactions don't exist in almost every job out there that I've ever dealt with from a, and I'm speaking from a tech background slash healthcare background, but I have to imagine you can probably generalize that pretty much across the board that everyone's probably applied to at least one job and never heard a damn thing back. Even if they reached out to you first and were like, Hey, we think you'd be a good fit. And you're like, okay, yeah, let's go for it. And then crickets you're like okay well that was weird and i feel like i'm preaching now and it feels very strange so i apologize but it's been like very restorative in just a work mental capacity and personal because now it's this there's work-life balance which everybody talks about which is like a dumb saying that people always talk about but it actually you work at lumen right (laughs) yeah yeah exactly so i sever and i go to work and then i unsever and come back but it does actually just feel healthier. And I've never been able to say that my job has contributed to my health. I would say every job I've ever had has been to the detriment of my health, whether that was because I worked too damn much or the stress level was through the roof. Some of that just being the kind of person I am that I will stress about everything until the very last second and then afterward as well. But it's always been generally a net negative until now. So this story, I guess, is to do nothing for anyone listening because I can't just say, hey, go get a job that does this for you. But I guess maybe it's just a a little bit of a glimmer of, of hope that apparently there are actually companies built up of other human beings that actually want to respect you and treat you like a human being, which is weird. And I, I've never been able to say that. And it just, I don't know if I'm ever going to shut up about it, but (laughs) here's where we are. I think you're being a bit self-deprecating there. I think you have shared a pretty- No, you are. Oh yeah. Uh, Sorry. I am. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, mate. Uh, I think there's a genuinely useful message there for people in the sense that, you know, we're a tech adjacent podcast. So, you know, we're talking about a work kind of issue here, but what you're saying is the technology is afforded a different way of working, or you can find a way that's healthier for yourself. So what you would encourage people to actually look for a job that suits their own life, really? I think so. Yeah. I, I uh, It's so hard to say because jobs are so difficult. You can't just go get a new one. Like that's not really a thing you can do. If you're talking about a, a, like a a phone, let's say a piece of technology and it's not working for you, you can say, well, if you, you know, if you have the means, go get this other one because this would suit you better. That obviously doesn't really work for jobs, but Mm. 
I guess the only thing I could say is if you are looking to move positions and have the ability to apply to different places to really try to, and I'm, I'm putting this on everybody. I'm assuming they do the same thing where once you're in like apply mode, you're like locked in. I don't know if that is the case for either of you, but I, I have to imagine a lot of people are like, once you apply, you're just, you're in that thing of like, I gotta get this. I gotta get this without really thinking about any of the other consequences. And I would say, ask questions during these interviews. It's almost looked at as a negative where they're supposed to just ask you all the questions and you're supposed to just sit there and shut up and take it. And then mm-hmm. whatever questions you have don't matter, but they really do. And I, I think there's a lot that can be said for the types of questions you ask. I saw a question just the other day. Somebody said, ask the company the last time there was employee input on something and how was that handled by the company? <laughs> Because I have to imagine that's going to throw a lot of people for a loop. They're going to be like, uh, uh never. And we threw it in the trash because we don't care. Yeah. But if you frame it, I suppose, if you frame it positively as, you know, people want to show initiative or mm-hmm. there's, you know, employee input into a situation, it doesn't have to be a negative framing. No, no, it, it doesn't. I just, I don't think that that particular thing is something that a lot of companies mm-hmm. even think about. Like receiving feedback is, it's a top down situation in most cases. So, mm. Yeah, I I don't know. It's it, again, I don't think this really helps anybody, but I I feel great about it and I, I think it's amazing that that this actually can happen. What I think is great is that you found this circumstance that is obviously working for you and making you happy. The sad thing about it is that it's such a rarity. Yeah. So why is this so hard? And in my line of work, I see many many businesses. Uh, I don't work for them all, but I see them. Mm-hmm. And the, the circumstance that you're describing, I could probably count on one hand the number of companies I feel meet those same sort of criteria. You know, maybe delivering it in a, certain, in a different way, but, you know, is an environment where everybody is really bought in, feels interested, feels a part of the team, is treated with respect. There are not many companies out there like that. And that is like, it's a shocking reflection on our societies, northern and southern, that that's so hard to find because it should be baseline. That should be like, this is the baseline level. Right. Exactly. And, and I think that's that maybe that's the takeaway is that my kind of enthusiasm about this is almost like a direct reflection on the anger that I have that this is not just how it is. I feel like t- when I tell people about the th- various things and processes of this place, there shouldn't be shock. It should just be like, why are you telling me something that everybody knows already? And just to clarify for people, in your position, you have the ability to be 100% remote. That's what we're talking about. It is. If it wasn't, I, I don't think it would be any different other than that I would go to a place. But yeah, just that every interaction throughout the process was, how is this so great? Why have I never seen this before? And how is this not how all businesses conduct themselves? Can I hit you with one last thing in the main episode? And that is our sponsor this week. Yeah. Oh, that's okay with both of you. Yeah, it's time to dynamically insert our ad. Let's do it. Dynamically inserted ad. Our ad this week comes to us in the form of a poem. Oh. Yeah. They thought it would be fun to do a little poem for us. So I thought we're open to that. So here we go. This week's dynamically inserted ad. Now. Beep boop boop. If you are ever feeling lost... There is a solution with minimal cost. 
Your friends already know it's the bomb. OnePrimePlus.com It's in the long game. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop. And dynamically inserted ad. When you started doing that, I thought, oh, he's quoting something online. No, this is spam that he's received. Like <laughs> someone's actually sent junk mail to him in a poem to try to seduce him into a service. And then that service, you spammed us with our own bloody membership scheme. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Si- sign up today. Uh, OnePrimePlus.com or one. Oh, wait, no, we don't have that one. Never mind. If you go to hemisphericviews.au or hemisphericviews.us. You will find links. Or hemisphericviews.com. Or .com. Old news. You'll find links to OnePrimePlus.com. What is this, the 90s? www.hemisphericviews.com. HTTP colon forward slash forward slash www.hemisphericviews.com. Or S. You can do an S because we're we're cutting edge. We have security. I think we do now. Yeah, I think we've got the little padlock. I'd like to thank our other sponsor, Netscape, for this episode. (laughs) Oh, yeah, Netscape. Big supporter. Navigator. I think that was our first sponsor. Yeah. Yeah, Navigator was amazing. Netscape Navigator 6 has just launched. Uh, It has color now, I think, in version 6. I think you can view... Animated GIFs. Yep, animated GIFs. You can view color images in uh, 4-bit color. I remember using Netscape Navigator at the university labs the computer labs, mm. and the splash yep. screen would stay on the screen as you loaded it for a good 30 seconds and you would listen to the hard drives going... Yep, yep. Uh, Martin, you don't know. You don't know the joy. It's like three three megabyte hard drive. Yeah, that was no, no, look, I, rem- I was a kid and I, I reckon <laughs> at that time that uppercase N with the shooting star going around it was the pinnacle of computing. It really was, yeah. It was... <laughs> what happened (laughs) 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 (laughs)